Welcome to episode 5 of the Spider Scoop Podcast, the most tremendous Richmond basketball podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Noah Goldberg, with ESPN Richmond, joined by struggling Charlotte Hornets fan, but more importantly, he writes about the Spiders for A10 Talk, and that's Austin Daisy. Austin, how are we doing? Can't complain, man. How about you? Not too bad. Uh, not too bad. Uh, I, I heard you could complain a little bit, though. Sounds like today, Monday, day after the snow day, dealing with some, some children in gym class. It happens, you know, but all part of the fun. Mm -hmm. Part of the process. All right, so we had, obviously, you know, Richmond lost on Saturday to Bonaventure. I think this is a game that, obviously, a lot of people had circled as, you know, one of the potential, you know, games down the stretch where we're looking, we're like, this team could go 6-0, and but this is one that we circled. What do you see in this one? It was exactly what I feared. Richmond kind of struggled again at the beginning of the game. Mm -hmm. Um just not hitting shots outside of the Robin Center. I feel like we probably sound like a broken record at this point, but they just can't score when they're not at home. And it showed on Saturday. Um, and we just didn't play good as a whole at all. Mm-hmm. But what sticks out to me, obviously, yeah, we lost. It's not a good look. But being able to almost steal that game at the end with how bad we played really kind of shows – how well we're being coached mm. because yeah shots didn't fall we shot gosh what i mean let's see yeah 25 of 63 mm. hit 11 threes but if you shoot 35 of them chances are some are gonna go in but yeah uh, and that number's honestly even skewed a little bit because blake hit some yeah. really big threes down yeah. the stretch i mean realistically that they're really below 30 percent if you get rid of the last you know three minutes of that game oh no yeah for sure but um yeah no i was it was a game where most times we've, when we've been down this year, I've kind of been waiting for that run and waiting for that spark. And I was mm-hmm. sitting there watching, and it just didn't feel like it was coming. This yep. was the first game in a long time where I was like, we just don't have it tonight. We're, yeah. we're not the better team. And, mm-hmm. I mean, St. Bonaventure played well, but by all means was definitely a winnable game. I mean, we almost ended up stealing it at the end, regardless mm-hmm. of how we played throughout. Yeah. I was definitely, you know, obviously a little nervous going to this one when you have a guy like Oshun on the low block, especially defensively. But honestly, I mean, especially from a defensive standpoint, you know, he really didn't dominate uh, on the interior. You know, I don't think he had a single block in that game. You know, like you've said it over and over on the podcast that, you know, Richmond are their own worst enemy. And when they lose games, it's because they're not hitting shots. And, you know, I went back and forth with someone on Twitter about Coach Mooney making adjustments. Um, Looking back retrospectively, I actually do, but in the in the moment of the game, I really felt like that he was actually coaching pretty well. Not many adjustments to make; they really weren't hitting shots. And I still stand by that. I still do believe that that is the narrative of the story. I don't think it's lack of adjustments. You know, there the only things that really kind of stood out to me were obviously Blake taking way too many shots, eight of twenty-two from the field, three of thirteen from three. Um, so obviously, you know, like you said, like you know. He, there's no reason why Chris Mooney cannot say something to Blake, like, Blake, stop putting up these shots. But but at the same time, you know, that's the guy that you signed up for to get. You know, you know he's a volume shooter. And obviously this is to too far of a degree of that. But, you know, that's going to happen. Um, the, the one thing that I think he could have adjusted is Woj only playing two minutes in that game. When you have Nick really ice cold and giving you pretty much nothing, I don't see why you don't throw Woj in there. 
um, and see if you can get some shots to fall. But those are really the only adjustments I thought he could have made. I thought in general, though, I, you know, I didn't really hate the minutes distribution. I really liked seeing Tyler getting 23 minutes, um, especially when Nate wasn't playing well. But yeah, man, the story of this game is it's like we say, whether it's a neutral site or whether it's on the road, this team cannot it just cannot find offensive production. And I have a really interesting stat. Nick Sherrod obviously has been lights out from deep this year, 42% from three on the year. Do you know what he's shooting in conference on the road? 34, oh 34%. That's not a terrible number, but for a yeah. guy that's a 42% shooter, it, to shoot 34% on the road and it's been extremely, extremely consistent is concerning. And especially when you have a guy like Gilly who has shot you know around 30% from deep um, in conference play, that's a guy, you know, I've said over and over again, when Nick doesn't get out to a good start, they don't play well, and Nick missed his first three. The team started 0-4 from the field, uh, from from three-point land, and they got out to a slow start, and then they had to play from behind the whole game. Yeah, and that's something like we've talked about recently. Uh, in the Georgia, the Mason game, they didn't trail. The ECU game, yep. they didn't trail. So playing from behind was something they haven't had to experience in a while, uh-huh. and especially on the road. We've talked about it. The Riley Center is a tough place to play. Um, it was. It showed that. Some of some of our guys looked rattled, and yeah. I almost felt like with the way Grant started, he mm-hmm. started that game, and he was fantastic. Yep. For the first, like, 10 minutes, I think he might have been the only guy that looked like he was ready to play. Mm-hmm. And one thing that really stuck out to me was I loved after there was a play where he was up top on defense and somebody didn't rotate, mm-hmm. and he was actually mad, and he was yelling, yep. and I loved seeing that from him because mm-hmm. that just shows – how much he's grown as a leader on this team, and the guys really do rally around him. Yeah. And I just felt like we stopped going to him early on. I mean, mm. they, they really couldn't stop him early on. He yeah. had eight points early and only finished with 13. So I feel like you touched on Blake taking a ton of shots. I wish mm. we would have looked down low to um, Grant a little bit more. And touching on Sherrod, I mean, he it's just insane how much of a different player he is away mm-hmm. from the Robin Center. I mean, if he can hit two or three big shots, this, it's a different game. So yep. he's somebody that, especially, we're in late February, it's almost March, we were kind of hoping that this wouldn't be a factor mm-hmm. this season. Now it's a recurring might theme. have found a way out of it, but he just hasn't yet. And yep. we just got to keep him. That's coming. Yeah, and especially, you know, when he isn't hitting shots that's type well you know what give credit to bonaventure i think let me jump back to your your grant point i think that was where you hit the nail on the head with he started out well got eight early points and then only five the rest of the way i'd argue that they really even less so because he really only scored two the rest of the way he had 13 points but he hit that three pointer with like 37 seconds left we know grant golden is not a three-point shooter so in a, in a real perfect world, that's probably not a, a bucket he's even getting. And that's the only reason he's taking that shot in the first place is because you're in a desperation comeback mode. So in, a, in yeah. a normal game setting, Grant's four of nine from the field with 10 points. So, And I think you have to credit the Bonaventure for doing that because they double teamed him every single time he touched the ball in the post. And I actually give Grant a lot of credit because I don't know how teams do not realize because he does this move every single time. But every time they double him on the baseline, he literally just spins baseline and then goes for the reverse layup. He never changes it, and it works most of the time. Um, And I think, you know, that started with the George Mason game. Dave Paulson did the same thing. And Grant obviously put up 21 points. I think he was like 8 or 7 of 11 from the field in that one. So he he obviously – but he had four turnovers in that game, so he scored more. 
He had less turnovers this one. He only had two turnovers, but there were just a lot of plays where it just ate up a lot of time, and even when he didn't have the turnover, they weren't getting the ball out to the open three-point guy. And even when he's not turning it over, he was just it was less efficient, and he was less of a playmaker. Five, Yeah, five assists, but he's only five of ten from the field. We talked about that's really four of nine from the field without that three-pointer. And you look back at his past games when he's been most successful in a lot of those games, like I said, seven of 11 from the field. 8 of 11 from the field. So I think they did a really good job just not letting the game run through him, even when he was having success and even when he wasn't turning the ball over a lot. So I think you have to credit Bonaventure for that. And at the same time, you know, when that's happening, that's why it's so crucial that Nick needs to be able to shoot on the road because when you can't get 15 to 20 points out of Grant, and especially when Gilly's not going, you've got to get those shots from Blake. And another thing that I really think we're giving a big pass to in terms of the whole three-point discussion because, you know, we expect Blake to take a lot of shots, which means we're not shocked when he misses them because when you're a volume shooter, it's going to happen. Nick's a guy where obviously we want him making the shots, but again, it's becoming a recurring theme, so we're not really surprised by the three-pointers, him missing, but we're talking about it. But why is Jacob Gilliard getting such a pass? I feel like we're not talking about the fact that this guy's just been absolutely awful from deep in conference play, and he was a guy where... At one point, people were saying, I feel like Jacob Gilliard has separated himself from Fats Russell as the second best player in this conference. And now, I think a lot of people aren't even talking about him as the best player on his own team. I think a lot of that discussion has gone towards Grant. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, he's, it's almost, it almost seems that he's kind of turned his focus completely to defense. Yep. Obviously, he hasn't, but it just seems like... Mm he's starting to realize like I'm kind of cold right now if I can at least contribute two or three steals get some extra possessions to yeah. get things going but I think I think he might really be seeing that he's just not getting shots to fall mm. but um he's somebody that for any team any team in the country at this point in the season it is critical for everybody to at least be playing up to 75% of what they're capable of and mm. I feel like we're just not getting full potential out of guys like Nick and um, Gilliard. But again, it's a long season. That's mm. That happens. We can't expect them to go 8 of 8 every single night. Yeah. But it seems like, like you said, a reoccurring theme in the same thing. And it makes it really e- easy for opposing coaches to game plan when it's kind of the same script every game. When we're not doing well, we kind of know exactly how it's going to happen. Yeah. I th- and I think the, the thing that I was really surprised to see by Gilly is, actually, he was 4 of 10 from deep in this game, which is not terrible. There's a lot of takes, but, you know, 40% clips, fine. He was, if you get rid of the three-point attempts, he was 1 of 1 from the field from inside the arc. I know he's 5'9", but he's one of the craftiest finishers. He's one of the quickest players in this league. When other guys aren't hitting outside shots, when as a, as a team, you're really just, I mean, as we said, you know, I think they're like 31% in this game from deep but really they were below 30%, and I know they were below 30% in the first half. You get rid of those last three minutes. So really they didn't shoot the ball well. Why is he not driving? Why are they not running more high ball screens for him, getting into the pick and roll, get back to the basics, get into the two-man game with Grant, and everything needs to roll through there. He only he needs to take more than one shot from inside the arc, and that's really something that's driven me crazy is I really don't think he's been driving enough um, as of late. Uh, so, you know, I agree. I feel like his mindset has somewhat shifted since Blake's come back. Yeah. He's like, obviously we've talked about Blake being a volume shooter. He, mm-hmm. They kind of expect Blake to take that shot. So it yeah. almost seems as if Gilly's like, okay, I don't have to be this pick and roll slasher 
all the time. We have Blake mm-hmm. back, but he Richmond was the most dangerous this year, in my yep. opinion, when him and Grant work in the pick and roll. And and speaking of the pick and roll, Grant has he's still done a great job with um, getting that ball inside when he has guys like Francis or Gilliard um, streaking down. But no, Gilly needs to get back to the mindset of if I'm not hitting threes. I am super crafty at the rim, mm-hmm. and I, he he finds ways to make layups. And I'm just like, how in the world did that go in? His mm. touch is incredible around the rim. So, yeah, no, coming up on Wednesday at GW, I would hope to see him be more aggressive and drive the lane. Because yeah, mm-hmm. like you said, he's five nine. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's not scared. And he didn't back down at the beginning of the season. And I certainly don't want to see him um, start to do that now. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, this this team is really at the point where you really have to start looking at how deep these issues run. And, you know, as we've already said it about, you know, them beating themselves. But on the season, this team is 1-5 when they shoot below 40% from the field. They did that in this game. They are, oh, and we talked about trailing, 0-4 in the A-10 when trailing with five minutes left. So we talked about playing from behind again. Um, and they're three and seven in games this year where they've had a lower field goal percentage than their opponent. So, I mean, the, the answer is really, really simple. Um, you know, they, they've had games where they've turned the ball over a lot. Maybe they've lost because of that. They had games earlier in the season where maybe the defense wasn't clicking. They've kind of taken care of that. Um, you know, you look at this game. I mean, you know, as we said, they had a lot of open shots. Like they got a lot of the clean looks they wanted. Again, you know, Blake took some questionable shots. But for the most part, they were 18 and eight assist to turnover ratio. And prior to this game, they had been undefeated in games where they out-assisted their opponent. Um, and this one was actually pretty close. It was 18-17, but still, first one. So really, you know, Richmond played their game in this one. I d- it doesn't feel like, you know, as we said, Oshun was not dominant down there defensively. You know, the Bonnies didn't rack up a lot of blocks. You know, Spider only turned the ball over eight times. It really just came down to hitting your shots, getting your looks, and they just didn't do it. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree completely. So what is your what would you say your concern level is for this team heading into the postseason? You know, there's only four games left. Um, I think outside of the A10 community and maybe even outside of honestly just the Spiders community. I think when you just look at the A10 like kind of Twitter realm and even even the national guys. You know, uh, Rostein today put out his Rostein 45. He had Richmond in. You know, I think a lot of people kind of saw that game that weekend who don't follow this team all the time and they're still like it's all right. It's on the road. They threw up. You know, it was a close game. It's not even a dud. Like, they'll be fine. But I think as people that watch this team over and over again, all the issues we saw in Bonaventure are not new things. These are recurring things that I think are really going to kill them in Brooklyn and really going to kill them in potentially the NCAA tournament. Yeah, now that, that's what makes it even harder as a fan to see it because mm-hmm. it's almost just like a bad movie that you've seen over and over <clears throat> again. Excuse me. But, um, yeah, for, I mean, matching up against Richmond, obviously an opposing coach can't possibly look forward to it. Mm-hmm. But at this point of the season, if you're watching film on these guys and you watch our losses, they're the same games. Mm-hmm. It, it just gets to a point where we just start chucking up shots. I mean, 3 of 13 from Francis. I mean, it just it's desperation mode when mm-hmm. it doesn't really need to be. We, we were still yep. within striking distance without playing out of our comfort level. And it feels it almost seems like when we're down late, like you said, that stat about us trailing with under five minutes, mm-hmm. it almost seems like they just panic. And given their start to the beginning of the year and how they played and how, especially uh, recently, how they really haven't trailed whatsoever, mm-hmm. when they get behind, it, it seems like it's a real problem. But 
we have what four, five games, four games left. Yep. And with those, I would really like to see us have a good showing at GW on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. That's a game. I can't say it worries me, but it's a game that. I mean, the way they shot at Mayhem, baby. Yeah, they've got to shoot well at mm-hmm. GW to to get fans, you know, optimistic again. Because coming into the bottom venture game, I feel like everybody was like, "Man, this team's got a legit shot." Mm-hmm. But one loss isn't going to derail the entire season. But um, no, I think it's big having guys from the national media like Rothstein still, still um, not counting them out yet. Yeah. And, because he's somebody, you know, he's probably watched Richmond multiple times this year. He's mm. seen the losses, but this this team's too good to not make the tournament, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the national media is still pretty bullish on them. I mean, they're 52 Ken Palm, 49 uh, net. Like we said, you know, Rothstein, um, he's got them in the top 45. I believe that Lenardi, if I – correct me if I'm wrong, I believe Lenardi today has them as his first team out. So they're literally yeah. as much on the bubble as you can possibly be. Um, according to him. But, I mean, yeah, like, you look at this team, and, you know, I think that five-game stretch where they, you know, held opponents to under 60 points and basically just ball-hawked every team hit a lot of these issues. I don't think that we. this is the first time we've seen them. I think it's the first time we've cared to worry about it. They were 4 of 19 from deep at LaSalle, but, you know, who cares? Because LaSalle didn't even yeah. hit 50 points in that game. So, and, and you, you could also counter with that, and you could say, well, you know, when Richmond's dominating a team like that, maybe they don't shoot the ball well because they're probably not trying that hard because when you're up so many points. So that's a fair point. But then you also, you know, they only scored 59 at Fordham, and they trailed in that game at halftime, didn't shoot the ball well there. So it's not like over this five-game stretch that this team was, you know, absolutely impeccable. Um, so I think the level of concern has certainly been there, and I'm still worried about it. Um, so I guess... I want to move on to Tyler now. Tyler was one of the one guys that I thought had a really good game. Um, hit it, obviously hit a couple of of threes that they really really timely threes. You know his three pointer actually with like it was like six twenty in the first half was the first three they actually hit the yeah. entire game. So much needed. Um, you know we've talked over and over about his flashes on offense, especially doing things off the dribble. Um, so he played twenty three minutes in this game. Nate Ko played twenty five. Tyler, 11 points, 9 rebounds. Nate had, I think he was 1 of 3 from the field, if I'm correct. Yeah, and he only had, and, and only 3 rebounds. So, I I go back and forth. I, I still think you start Nate. I don't think you take Nate as starting lineup, so I'm not going to say do you start putting in Tyler over him yet. But, should Tyler be playing more minutes than Nate? And if not, is there any possibility or reality over these next 4 games where you see Tyler leapfrog Nate, whether it's in minutes or the starting lineup? Um, honestly, it, like you just you just read out the stat line from Saturday. If you compare these two stat lines and mm-hmm. you see Burton finished with 11 points, 9 rebounds in 23 minutes, and you compare it to Nate, obviously it's super one-sided and who should be on the floor more. But you mm-hmm. can't, like you said, I, you can't take Nate out of the starting lineup yet. But... The, if Tyler can keep up the production that he's been doing, because he's somebody that he will get the quietest double-doubles or almost double-doubles. I'll look down at the stat line. I'm like, dang, he's only one rebound away from a double-double. And mm-hmm. he just doesn't seem like he's playing much. But on Saturday was the first time I felt like he's really getting his minutes in, and he's looking good. He missed mm-hmm. a couple of shots really close to the rim, but 
again, he's a freshman. I mean, stuff like that's going to happen, especially on the road. He's still getting his footing underneath of him. But, no, the chances of him leaping Nate, I mean, they're not impossible by any means, especially if the Spiders stumble down the stretch a little bit more. Mm. I think you absolutely have to shake up the starting lineup if they have another loss before Brooklyn. Yeah, I I, I don't know if it's going to happen only because I think that Mooney is just really bullish on just having that experience, especially after last couple seasons, but really last year where I think lack of experience and having that younger team was one of the biggest reasons they were unsuccessful. So I think he just probably from a comfort standpoint um, is going to want to leave Nate in there regardless, even if it ends up becoming a thing where Nate starts and plays only 14 minutes and whatever it is. So I, I think it's really more dependent on just Mooney giving him the opportunity more than him earning it. Um, especially as you said, we're down a, down a crucial stretch of play where, you know, these are the games where we see coaches ride with their guys. Um, I want to, I, I want to do a little here. You know what? Can you name me the top five scores on this team? Because I guarantee you're going to get this wrong because I was completely wrong. Name me the top five scores on the Richmond Spiders per 40 minutes in conference Dang. play. Go. Put me on the spot. Yep. Okay. Put me on the spot. Okay. You won't have done any worse than me. I guarantee it. Ooh. All right. Top five. I'm going to go. Total points or average? What are we talking about? Per game. Here? Per forty per okay. per forty minute per scoring. 40. Okay. Um conference play. Top five, I'm gonna go Grant. Yep, that's correct. Uh one for one. Let's go Francis. Yep, two for two. Gilliard. I'm gonna let you say these next three because these are where our surprises okay. are. So Gilliard okay. at three. Gilliard. Yep. Uh let's go. This is hard. Um, mm-hmm. I'll go Tyler. Okay. And then Sherrod. Okay. So I so I'm I'm surprised you said that. Uh, so you got Grant right it's per forty minutes. Grant at twenty one point eight. Then you have and it, not surprising considering he doesn't play as many minutes as the other starters. Yeah. So his per forties are obviously going to inflate. So you've got Grant at twenty one point eight. Blake at twenty point one. Number three Tyler at seventeen point oh, wow. six. Nick at sixteen and a half. And Nate at 14.3. I didn't make you go six deep, but Gilly was actually at six, which is kind of unsurprising because he plays almost 40 minutes a game anyway. So you're, his per 40 numbers are pretty similar um, to his regular numbers. But I just saw that when I saw that Tyler was at 17.6. You know, that yeah, kind no, of, that is crazy. Because mm, I think he's just been – he's becoming more dynamic. I think he's getting a lot more comfortable – you know, going to the rack. Um, I think he's doing a really good job shooting off the dribble now, which is something that's really valuable for them. Not just, but he's also comfortable shooting um, catch and shoot. But yeah, I just, I think it's really on Mooney, man. If I, I know he really likes to ride with his older guys, but if you keep getting games where he's giving you basically identical minutes to Nate and pretty much tripling his production. And on top of that, he is, I mean, by the numbers, let me pull him up. I know he was one of the top guys in defensive rating before for them, but I, I, if I'm correct, Tyler's top two in defensive rating, um, if not higher. So for me, I mean, other than the f- simple fact that he's a freshman, there's just no metrics that you can argue that he shouldn't be starting over Nate. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. Um, Tyler's just, again, I've beaten a dead horse, but the dude is so athletic. I absolutely love watching him play. And mm-hmm. the more minutes he plays now, the better this team's going to be the next three years. Yeah, definitely. 
All right, so let's move on now and kind of look down the schedule a little bit. So, as you know, we kind of doc- talked a little bit about some at-large. We talked, you know, Lenardi and Rothstein and those guys. Um, so we look ahead at the schedule. We've got GW on Wednesday. You've got UMass Davidson and Duquesne left. Um, UMass and Davidson are both at home. Um, GW is still thing is a game that we still feel pretty good about, even if they can't shoot. I think they're just going to overmatch that team, especially with how good we've been defensively in quickness. UMass, we talked a little bit about earlier on a different pod. You know, Trey Mitchell could give him some trouble, but you got to feel pretty comfortable about hosting UMass. Um, when I look at Davidson, so I saw, I actually, I tweeted out the date of the Duquesne da- game, and I just said circle it. And actually, someone responded to me and said uh, they gave the day of the Davidson game and said I'm circling this one first. You know, da- Davidson obviously had the big win over Rhode Island. Um, that game really doesn't scare me to be honest, because aside from the fact that we obviously went there and believe blake was hurt for that one right i don't yeah, think that, he played against davidson. Game out. yeah so they went into davidson without blake um and won you know they felt i think it was a six point win but it felt like they pretty much controlled that game gave some points up at the end um and davidson is such a they're so reliant on the three ball and just their lack of depth lack of physicality and you know we're not used to talking about richmond as dominating physically but i mean Luca can just not go against Grant. Honestly, Grant's probably too big of a body. He's going to give him trouble defensively. You know, Kellen and Jag's been playing better lately, but they're so reliant on that three ball, and the Spiders are second in the conference in opponent three-point percentage, 28% opponents from deep. So that game really doesn't scare me that much. Like, I, I feel pretty good, especially when you look at matchups. Um, this Duquesne game, man, this this is could be the difference. Um, that it, I think Ken Palm's got that at a pick'em game, 50%. Um, but if they can beat Duquesne, I think they're going to go 4-0, and they should still look okay for at-large consideration. Oh, no, for sure. I think if they win out, um, regardless, there's still going to be the at-large um, conversation. But, yeah, winning out would put us at 14-4. and mm. We're still up on Bonaventure just because we're 20-7. and They're 18-9. and So, barring an absolute collapse, mm. this team – won't be playing until Friday in Brooklyn, which yeah. really, really could be huge depending on mm. who they match up against because I feel like they have to at least, at the very least, make it to the semis on Saturday. Yep. And just if they make it to Sunday, I think it's a guarantee. Mm. Um, but, yeah, they really, really cannot afford to um, stumble down the stretch, especially against a team other than Duquesne. they got to take care of business against GW, mm. UMass, and Davidson and kind of touching on Davidson since that game's at home yeah that one doesn't really worry me off the start mm. I feel like I've had a pretty good gut on games this year where I've been worried like mm. I was worried about the St. Louis game got yep. blown out the Dayton game I can't say I was worried you kind of anticipated what was to come mm. but um the St. Bonaventure game we talked about it for weeks that was just a game we had been worried about so confidence level it's it's still high for me yeah i think they'll win out they'll go four now and they'll have a double buy in brooklyn and i mean honestly who knows what could happen this team could find a way to get to sunday win the championship we don't have to worry about all this at large yeah. conversation yeah so i think for me confidence level and predictions are two very different things right now confidence level i'm extremely extremely concerned i think that again we i'm not going to get back into it but we've talked about the inconsistencies you know the road issues the shooting issues stuff like that but i think that just when you look at the season logistically of what's left so you're sitting in fourth in the conference right now because i think it's bonaventure and them are both 10 and 3 
but Bonaventure has to host Duquesne and go to SLU. Um, so that's all the, you know, if Richmond wins out, Bonnie's go three and one, they could honestly go two and two. You're going to slip right back into that three spot. URI is up one game on them, but we obviously Richmond has head to head and URI has to host Dayton and SLU. That's at least three and one. You've got, I mean, you've got to think Dayton's going to win that game, potentially two and two. So there's a, there's a pretty realistic chance of this team sliding into the two seed, um, you know, not that it really matters, honestly. I think the only thing that really matters is jumping from the four to the three because then you can avoid Dayton in the semifinals. Um, so I think that's big. But if, just the way that this season's lining up, you know, if you take – all you got to do is, like you said, take care of business against GW. You really just got to go in and win at Duquesne. That's the one tough one. But if you can go 4-0, which they have a realistic chance, like you said, they're going to shape up really well from the conference tournament. If you can get out of the quarterfinals – I mean, I don't see any reason why they won't get the at-large consideration. So, yeah, I'm I, I'm confident in the sense that I like their chances of an at-large. I like where they're heading going in the conference tournament. But they've got they've got some gaping holes that they need to figure out. Again, there's a lot of things up in the air minutes-wise, like we said, with Tyler and Nate. Um, and, and also just Nate kind of disappearing. Because I think, you know, Nate's been dominant at times against Rhode Island. And I feel like he was really starting to turn that corner where, you know, last year he formed that big three. And then this year non-conference doesn't do a lot and we're kind of saying like oh you know maybe nate's numbers were just big last year because he's getting a lot of minutes he wasn't playing with anyone you know can he do anything on a crowded roster and it kind of felt like he started to turn the corner and now we've kind of seen him slip back um hopefully tyler can fill that void but yeah i, th- I still feel good about you know making the ncaa's yeah how much more does that loss on saturday hurt after seeing davidson beat rhode island Oh my gosh! And how much even more does it hurt after Davidson destroyed Bonaventure <laughs> in <laughs> yeah, Olean? Uh, yes. All right. So wrapping it up here, um, we'll move on to over unders. So I've I've actually got a pretty good one here. So I don't know. Have you? Did you book your your hotels and stuff for Brooklyn? I did. So I I went on. I tried to do an Airbnb, and I messaged one person about it, and they got back to me like a day later. And then shout out my mom. My mom's the goat. She looked online and was like, no, you can't stay here. This place is gross. I didn't even notice it because I'm too lazy and it turned out it had roaches. That's that's a topic for another day. So that happened. Um, Then there was like another one that I booked, but it's like when you book the reservation, it's like an informal thing and the person has to confirm it. So I thought I booked it and then they like messaged me and said the dates aren't available for this day, so we can't do it. But then it still said it was booked on Airbnb. So I really don't know if I have an Airbnb or not. So because of that, I then went and booked a hotel. So basically, I could have two places to say. I'm not really sure. So my over-under for you, Austin, is one and a half on housing spots I'm going to have in Brooklyn this weekend. Um, Or not this weekend, in a few weeks. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go over just because, you know, you can always bunk with me if needed. I'm staying (laughs) staying fairly close so you don't have to worry about being homeless for the weekend but um no that is really funny that no. um you might have two spots to stay you can just alternate each night depending on um how you're feeling mm-hmm. so we got we're going over on that and then the last one is over under two and a half on how many times i'm about to get lost on a subway and is it going to end up that i just spend a hundred billion dollars on uber because i'm too scared oh, to use no, public dude, transportation over because i'm not touching the subway yep. i am absolutely terrified of public transportation as a whole i don't like it i don't even like flying so i'm kind of freaking out about that but Mm -hmm. no i'm gonna go over if you're anything like me 
I'm not getting near a subway yep. station. I'm, I will pay a hundred dollars for an Uber from the airport. I, I don't care. Flu That's season, coronavirus is going around. The last thing we oh, in New York, the melting pot. The last thing we need to do is be taking the subway right now. Yeah, nope, not getting on that thing. Not even stepping within a hundred feet of it. All right, that's it for me. Any closing thoughts? Anything you want to plug? Uh, no, man. Just uh, looking forward to it. I, I'm really looking forward to Brooklyn. Mm. You just had me. I was thinking about it earlier. We're just talking about it right now. Yeah, I hope I didn't kill the mood in this podcast. I think I was kind of a Debbie Downer throughout, but I'm still like at the end of the day, like this team still literally just went from a Wednesday pillow night fight to a really legit at large contender. Oh, it's pretty know, exciting. It's just fun, man. It's uh-huh. just been a fun year to watch. I'm glad. I've been able to experience it from from the place that I'm at now and actually having the connections I've made. And I'm mm. really, really looking forward to seeing all fans around the A-10 except VCU up mm. in Brooklyn. All right. That's it. Time to wrap it up. Austin, it's been real. I will see you not Wednesday. I'll see you on Saturday. Yep. Sounds good, man. All right. See you there. Yeah, yeah. You know I like them special made for me I call them in the demonstrate for me Still do any care for anybody, yeah Cause my little baby ain't for everybody, yeah That's why I hit her with that upgrade I told her start, that's that upstage Everything up and up, babe I ain't ballin' like we upstate Oh, I dip it down and go She used to tell me no But who could tell me no, yeah, that's just how it goes She see the
if you don't quit. You know I like it like that. Don't quit. You're doing good right now. Don't quit. Put your old jeans on, now they won't fit. My little baby on thick, thick. Got her ass too fast, so don't quit. You know I like it like that, so don't quit. Let's go. Let's go. Another one, another one, another one, another one, another one, another one, another one.